You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. On today's show, full reaction to week three of the SEC upsets becoming a regular thing every week in this conference. We'll run through each game and give you the biggest takeaways. Who impressed and who depressed in SEC week three? Why Texas A&M may have recorded the best win of the season so far. We will get into that. And also, we'll hear a little bit from some of the coaches chirping after their wins or losses. All of that coming your way. I'm Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're here for you five days a week. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Man, looking at some of the box scores from this weekend, I thought I was looking at a bunch of Big 12 scores. Is the SEC becoming the Big 12 now with all offense and no defense? Let's jump into it, and let's run through each game from week three in the SEC. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. Seconds left. Tied at 38. Seth Small can deliver the game winner. The snap is good. The kick is up. And the fighting Texas Aggies, a top five win. They take down the fourth-ranked Florida Gators. Let the celebration begin here at Kyle Field as it's nothing but maroon Aggies in the middle of the field celebrating the win. Boy, were we wrong on the A&M Florida game. I kept talking up that Florida offense about how good they've been. They've been unstoppable. And Kyle Trask, he was really good in this one. Another day thrown for 300 yards and four touchdowns. Kyle Pitts, kind of a more human-like day. Five catches, 47 yards and a touchdown. But we did not account for how bad the Florida defense would play and how good would Kellen Mond and the Aggie offense be. The key moment of this game, though, was an A&M defensive play. Late in the fourth quarter, game tied 38-38. Malik Davis fumbles the ball, recovered by DeMarvin Leal, and it allows the Aggies to go down the field, kick the game-winning field goal, as you just heard there. The first real marquee win for Jimbo Fisher since he's been at A&M, beating a top-five team. In a slot on the right side. Bazelak brings Beatty in motion back to the left side. Fakes the hand up him. Got a man open. Nico Hay makes the reception. Touchdown, Missouri. And Mizzou's got the lead. The former star at CBC on the receiving end. LSU taking on Mizzou, a game that was supposed to be a night game in Death Valley because of the Hurricane Delta, instead gets moved to morning in Columbia, Missouri. The biggest takeaway from this one, Bo Pelini can't coach defense in the SEC in 2020. A lot of talk from LSU fans that it seems maybe the game may have passed him by. We will certainly get to Pelini in our impress-depress segment a little later, but I think what we are seeing from LSU through two weeks is despite all the losses of the guys who left for the draft or graduated or sitting out and the coaches who left for new jobs, you can't continue to use all those excuses for how poorly you are playing. Props to Mizzou and Connor Bazelak, who dominated the LSU secondary. Larry Roundtree, 119 yards on the ground. But despite leading 45-41 late, LSU and Mizzou was, LSU and Miles Brennan able to go down the field and set up a first and goal in the final minute. Two unsuccessful runs, two batted passes, 
and LSU's rally comes up short. It is time to hit the panic button in Baton Rouge as the reigning national champs are 1-2 and two for the first time in forever. But props to Eli Drinkwitz on his first SEC win, and shout-out to Terrace Marshall Jr., the wide receiver for LSU, really picking up the slack with no Jamar Chase. 11 catches, 235 yards, and three touchdowns. What a day for that young man. Hill's going to get under center, high formation. Tailback, Harris, sprint draw, up the middle, Kevin going at the 30, 35, 40, let's see if he can run, 50, at the Vanderbilt 30, 20, 15, 10, are you kidding me? Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, Kevin Harris. 88 yards in a pouring rain in Nashville. Boom. Another early game, South Carolina at Vanderbilt. The star of this one was the running back, Kevin Harris, as you heard there. 21 carries, 171 yards, two rushing touchdowns, including an 88-yard run. The sophomore back is quickly becoming the star of the Gamecock offense. Colin Hill, he was solid throwing the ball, just under 200 yards for Vandy. They got their running back, Keon Henry Brooks, back this week. He was pretty solid, 13 carries for 72 yards. But Vandy trailed the entire game. They had to throw it a lot, couldn't run it a lot. I just look at this Vandy schedule, and it is hard to find a win the rest of the schedule. Vandy could certainly go 0-10 the rest of the way. And for Will Muschamp and Carolina, they finally get into the win column. And a really fun game coming up this weekend, playing host to Auburn. Man, Will Muschamp's D against Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris's offense. Going to be a fun matchup this weekend. Balls on the near hash, moving left. Two receivers to the short side, two to the wide side. Snap to Garantano. Here comes pressure. we got to get him. Sack and the ball's knocked out. Back picked up by Rice at the 20, the 10, the 5. Monty Rice, touchdown. Great individual effort by Monty Rice. Comes on the blitz, strip sack. Has the wherewithal to pick that football up, scoop and score. The dogs have blown it wide open. Game of the week, Tennessee at Georgia, and this one was really entertaining in the first half. Jared Garantano was taking some shots, Tennessee scoring touchdowns, and their defense comes up with a monster goal line stand on Georgia just before the half. And if you're a Vol fan, you are loving what you're seeing. But second half adjustments. The real Garantano shows up. He throws an interception, fumbles the ball not once, not twice, three times, and that Georgia defense wreaked havoc, shutting out the Vols in the second half. They hold Tennessee to negative one net rushing yards. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, non-factors this week. Georgia, they rush for almost 200 yards. And Stetson Bennett, man, continues to manage the game. I keep asking, when is clock going to strike midnight on Cinderella? But Stetson Bennett continues to be that game manager and not make not make mistakes. Two touchdown passes, rush for another one. And this sets up a monster matchup this weekend as Georgia heads to Tuscaloosa with perhaps the Bulldogs boasting the best defense in the conference. Our bonehead moment of the weekend, though, in this one, Garantano runs out of bounds on the Georgia sideline, and Bulldogs wide receiver George Pickens stands up and sprays his water bottle on Garantano. It results in a penalty. I think we should grow up, George Pickens. Taylor will snap it, then Patton will hold it. Carlson tries to give Auburn the lead. The clock rolls. There's the snap. There's the kick from Carlson. It's on the way. And this one is good! With seven seconds remaining, Carlson has given Auburn a 30-28 to lead on a 40-yard field goal. Arkansas at Auburn. This was my upset pick of the week. I just thought Felipe Franks playing with a lot of confidence. He was really good. Took a lot of hits, but he threw for over 300 yards. Four touchdowns, no INTs. Traylon Smith ran for a hard 81 yards for Auburn. 
Bo Nix made some throws, but Tank Bigsby, the story for Auburn, busting out as perhaps the featured back now. 20 carries for 146 yards. DJ Williams, he had 71 yards himself. But the story of the game, late in this one, Auburn trailing 28-27. Bo Nix tries to spike the ball, fumbles it, picks it up, and throws it, spikes it behind him. Should have been a fumble, but the SEC refs review it. They say there was no clear recovery after the play, so they just have to call it intentional grounding, 10-second runoff. And after missing a field goal a few minutes earlier, Anders Carlson delivers the game winner, and Auburn wins it 30-28. to But a lot of people angry in Fayetteville this weekend, and rightfully so. A little setback to the right of Costello. And they look over the middle. It's intercepted. Pick six. Touchdown, Kentucky. Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright just stayed home, thought they were coming to Hill. They did. Wright picked it off, and that's his second touchdown. He had their fumble return for the touchdown in the bowl game. And he high steps it into the end zone. My, how just two weeks have changed all the good feelings for Mike Leach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. K.J. Costello went from Heisman contender week one to benched in week three after throwing four interceptions in this one. Will Rogers, he comes in, he throws two interceptions. Shout out to the Kentucky defense, though. Holding Mike Leach's offense scoreless, all they muster is a safety. And Kentucky gets their first win of the season, 24-2. That is the fewest points scored by a Mike Leach team ever. Really weird game for Kentucky in that their offense didn't have to do much with all the turnovers. They had just 157 total yards of offense because it was the defense doing all the work with the six turnovers. Congrats to the Wildcats on getting into the win column. Our stall goes to the right. Hand off Najee. Big hole. He going to go. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Alabama. 40 yards and another touchdown for Najee Harris. That is going to do it right there. The most entertaining game of the weekend was not the four-overtime Red River rivalry. It was the Lane Train hosting his former boss, Nick Saban, a game that featured 1,370 total yards of offense, the most in history in an SEC game. Kudos to Matt Corral and Ole Miss. He threw for 365 yards on that Bama defense. And Jerry Ely and Snoop Connor, they were running wild in the run game. It has been a while since you have seen someone put up 268 rushing yards on a Nick Saban defense. But equally impressive was the Alabama offense, namely Najee Harris, who was unstoppable. 23 carries, 206 yards, five touchdowns. Mac Jones, another 400-yard passing game. Devontae Smith, 164 yards receiving. Jalen Waddell with 120. This was Bama's 15th straight game of 35 points or more in a game. It ties the longest streak in major college football history, Oregon did it back in 2011-2012 under Chip Kelly. The Bama offense is thriving under Steve Sarkeesian, and I cannot wait to see them next week versus that Georgia defense. There you have it. That is around the conference. Coming up next, we go through who impressed and who depressed in week three of the SEC. Hey, we've been telling you for a while now about our friends at Built Bar. Right now, they are running a promotion for breast cancer awareness. It is a limited-release strawberry flavor. And it is seriously so good. They've also partnered with several different foundations, including Breast Cancer Angels and Huntsman Cancer Institute. Built Bar will match your donation to those organizations up to $50 per order. Plus, 100% of the proceeds from the Built Breast Cancer Awareness hoodie 
will go to these organizations to help support breast cancer patients and their families. You can get the hoodie. It's available on their website for just $19.95. Look, the weather's starting to get cooler now. You can wear the hoodie and support a great cause. Head to BuiltBar.com. Check out their fantastic selection, healthy alternatives to all that junk food you guys are eating this time of year. And right now, if you use the code LOCKEDON, you get 20% off your order. Head to BuiltBar.com and start feeling better today. Locked on SEC podcast rolling along here, recapping all the games from week three. Coming up uh, next segment, we're going to hear a little audio from Nick Saban, kind of accusing Lane Kiffin of stealing signs or knowing their plays. Hey, guess what, Nick? Lane used to work under you. He knows how you operate. We'll hear that. We'll also hear from Mike Leach. Taking a little bit of a shot at his player, saying they need to purge some of the malcontents. Don't want to miss that audio coming up next. But first, we got to do what we do it every Monday. Let's get to who impressed and who depressed. We'll start with who impressed in week three. How about Kellen Mond, man? How long have we said, when is Kellen Mond going to step up and win a big game? Well, Aggie fans, he finally did it. 25 for 35, 338 yards passing versus a Florida defense, and finally taking his team to the promised land. He took him right down the field for the game-winning field goal after trailing by double digits in the third quarter. Kellen Mond called it a, quote, culture-changing win. We will see if this is just the start of more big wins to come for the senior quarterback. But tip of the cap, Kellen Mond finally breaking through with a big performance. Who else impressed in week three? How about Ole Miss and the Lane Kiffin offense? Look, normally we don't celebrate, you know, moral victories because they lost the game and they did so in pretty embarrassing fashion. But for this new look Ole Miss offense to put up 647 yards of offense on a Nick Saban defense, that is certainly impressive. Nine for 17 on third downs, four for four on fourth downs, and you're tied 42-42 with Alabama midway through the fourth quarter, Lane Kiffin deserves some props. Now, the Ole Miss defense, that is another story. But if Lane can recruit well and get some of these four- and five-star playmakers into Oxford, Lane Kiffin is going to be a problem for the SEC West. Heck, he may be a problem this year for some of the other teams in the conference, but if Nick Saban thought Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss was the thorn in his side... What is Lane Kiffin going to be the next handful of years? And lastly, on my impressed category, Eli Drinkwitz. Look, man, we heard the stories going into last weekend. Mizzou 0-2, missing several key players due to COVID-positive tests, contact tracing, playing the defending national champs, LSU. Now, you did get a little help with the game moving from a night game in Death Valley to a morning breakfast game in Como. But Eli dialed up some very impressive play calls, man. He had flea flickers. He had end arounds. He had misdirection. His new full-time starting quarterback, Connor Basilak, threw just five incompletions in the game. Threw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Versus an LSU defense. And he added another 180 rushing yards on the ground. 
kudos to Eli Drinkwitz getting his first win in the Southeastern Conference. Who depressed? Well, it starts with Bo Pelini, man. LSU's defensive coordinator. LSU is setting defensive records under Bo Pelini. And not in a good way. Mizzou, without three of its top receivers, as we just mentioned, still gained 586 total yards and scored 45 points. Mizzou had not scored more than 19 through their first two games. I mean, wide open receivers, busted plays, no pressure on the quarterback, miscommunication, you name it, it has gone wrong for LSU on defense through the first three weeks under Bo Pelini. LSU has now given up 96 points, the most through the first three games in school history, and they have lost to two unranked opponents despite their offense averaging over 38 points per game. And oh, by the way, Pelini is making $2.3 million a year, currently in the first of a three-year contract. Got to do some real soul-searching in Baton Rouge these next couple of weeks. That is embarrassing. And when your offense, all the questions coming into the season. Can Miles Brennan replace Joe Burrow? Can he be a shell of what Joe Burrow is? He absolutely is getting the job done. 38 points a game on offense. And you can't get a stop on defense to save your life. I know they lost the game at the goal line. They had four chances to get it in. They could have beat Missouri. So the offense failed there. But the def- they're not in that position if the defense doesn't put them in that position, giving up scoring play after scoring play. Who else depressed in week three? Well, speaking of bad defenses, how about Todd Grantham? Look, Florida prides itself on always having a hard-nosed defense. Stud DBs, solid linebackers, good edge rushers. But what Texas A&M did to that Florida defense on Saturday? Kellen Mond, 25 for 35, 338 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs. Isaiah Spiller, 27 carries, 174 yards. That's 543 total yards of offense that the Florida D gave up. Extremely disappointing for Gator fans. And next up, we get LSU at Florida. Question now becomes, which defense is worse? Which defense can get a stop, for that matter? That'll be something to watch coming up this weekend. And lastly, my category of who depressed... In week three of the SEC, the SEC refs, man. Look, I feel bad for Arkansas fans and Auburn fans. They should feel pretty lucky. Late in the game, Auburn trailing 28-27. to Bo Nix attempts to spike the ball and stop the clock on a third and one at the Arkansas 20, but instead he fumbles the snap. He picks the ball up and appears to spike it backward, which would have resulted in a fumble. Play was originally ruled intentional grounding, and that call was confirmed in review, leading to a loss of downs and a 10-second runoff. Now, Sam Pittman said after the game he was told by the refs that Nix did not throw a backward pass, but that's not what you see on the replay. Sam Pittman even said the ball went backwards six yards. I saw a fumble and a spike that went backwards six yards. The SEC said in a statement later Saturday night that there is, quote, conclusive video evidence that Nix's pass was backwards. But they explained the ruling was not overturned because recovery of the football was not clearly made in the immediate continuing football action. So basically, Arkansas needed to just go jump and dive on that ball and do whatever it took to get possession. The SEC went on to say both the determination of a backward pass and the immediate clear recovery are required to reverse the ruling on the field. And get this, it is under Rule 12 3 
dash two dash e dash one. When you got to get that deep into the rule book, SEC, I think you got the call wrong. Again, we can't go back and change anything. Congrats to Auburn. They survived and won the game. But you feel really bad for Arkansas because they played their butts off to get back into that game after letting Auburn run it all over on them in the first half. But the SEC refs, you got to do better, man. you got to do better with even going to the review booth and saying, oh, here's the correct call. Yeah, but uh, there was no clear recovery, so we're just gonna stick with what what we went with. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be grounding, loss of downs, t- ten second runoff. Still set up for Auburn to kick the game winning field goal. Look, I'm not bitter or anything. Maybe I had a little money on Arkansas. Maybe that's why I'm harping on this so much. But SEC refs, you depressed at least in that moment in that game in week three, and that is. Who impressed and depressed in SEC Week 3? All right, coming up next, some audio you don't want to miss from both Nick Saban and Mike Leach. Locked on SEC. Locked on SEC rolling along here. If you haven't done so yet, please remember to subscribe. We are here for you five days a week talking all things SEC. Right in the thick of football season. Don't want to miss an episode. we got some great guests coming up this week. Uh, Dawn Davenport from the SEC Network set to join us. She's been doing the sideline reporting the last couple weeks. It's been an interesting thing where a lot of these games, the broadcasters are not in the booth. They're doing it from, like, their living room. But you get the sideline reporters there. So they basically have to convey everything they're seeing. And they, you know, they got to be Johnny on the spot. And uh, Dawn has been doing that. So she will join us uh, this week. We will discuss... Uh, what it's been like being on the sideline in the new normal of COVID-19 and college football. Uh, real quick, we wanted to do a quick SEC coaches segment. You know, normally we uh, will run through what some of the coaches say in their press conferences on Monday or Tuesday following the games and all this. But some post-game audio from Saturday night, uh, two interesting quotes that are grabbing a lot of the headlines. So let's do it. Let's hear from the SEC coaches. SEC coaches. All right, first up, Nick Saban taking a shot at Lane Kiffin. I'll just play the audio for you first. You be the determination, the judge, on if Saban is on something or on to something. Like everything we did, though, they had an answer for. I don't know if they had our signals or what, but... Um, I'm, I'm not, that, that's not anything unusual. Um, but, you know, it seemed like every time we called something, they had the best play that they could have against it. Nick Saban basically saying that Lane Kiffin had their plays. Now look, there's a few things you gotta, you gotta know here. Lane Kiffin coached under Nick Saban for several years. Nobody knows Nick Saban better than Lane Kiffin. And on the flip side, nobody knows Steve Sarkeesian better than Lane Kiffin. So basically everything Alabama was doing on Saturday night, Lane Kiffin knows this. Look, Lane sat in enough meetings with Saban to know what he hates defending, and he ran all of it in this one. It was certainly fun to watch. So Nick Saban trying to take a shot at Lane Kiffin. Look, I know he was upset, but 
change up what you're doing. Lane knows you, man. That's why he is where he is. All right, let's hear from Mike Leach. A disappointing loss for Mississippi State on Saturday night. Where they scored two points. The offense got them nothing, nada. And now KJ Costello hit the bench, my friend. Here's Mike Leach on some of his players saying, I need to do some purging around here. I think we're going to have to kind of check some of our group and figure out who really wants to play the, the play here because, you know, um, any malcontents, we're going to have to purge a couple of those. Malcontents. Strong words from Mike Leach. But what a turnaround for that team, and not in a good way. To go from riding high week one with the win over LSU and everybody patting you on the back and saying the air raid offense has arrived in the SEC. Man, Mike Leach, he is setting the SEC on fire. 44 points, record numbers against LSU in week one. And then for week two, for you to score 14 points and a 21-14 loss to Arkansas at home. Offense grounded, nothing. And then it gets even worse in week three where you score two points. Like, I don't... I'm not going to hate on Mike Leach for saying we're going to make some changes. Well, maybe don't call your guys malcontents. Are there guys that are just malcontents on the team? What a disappointing loss for Mississippi State. K.J. Costello throws 55 passes, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Will Rogers gets in there. He throws two interceptions. And Kylan Hill, who we thought, you know, one of the best running backs in the SEC this year, Seven carries for just 17 yards. Now, they did involve him in the passing game, which they have been doing. 15 catches for 79 yards, but some changes coming the Bulldogs' way at Mississippi State as they fall to one and two. And honestly, if LSU could have mounted that comeback in week one, we'd be talking about an 0-3 start for Mike Leach and the Bulldogs. And lastly... The third SEC coach I want to hear from, Dan Mullen, ranting on the Texas A&M crowd Saturday. Used the number 50,000. A&M says the attendance was 24,000. Although, if you looked around Kyle Field, it looked like it was a little bit more. Here's Dan Mullen. Uh, it was a great day of football. Great atmosphere out there. Uh, crowd was certainly a factor in the game. I will certainly say that. I know our governor passed that rule, so certainly, hopefully, the university administration decides to let us pack the swamp for LSU next week. 100% because that crowd was a major factor in the game. And so I certainly hope our university administration follows the governor. Our governor has passed a rule that we're allowed to pack the swamp. We have 90,000 in the swamp to give us that home field advantage that Texas A&M had today. How was the crowd a factor? And are you saying 90? You want to see 90,000? I absolutely want to see 90,000 in the swamp last year. I, I, there were, I don't think the section behind our bench, I didn't see an empty seat. It was packed. Uh, the entire student section, I uh, must have been 50,000 people behind our bench going crazy. So... Uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully that creates a home field advantage for us next week because now we've passed a law in our state that we can do that. So Dan Mullen says he wants a packed swamp this weekend against LSU. Like, I don't know if A&M was fudging the numbers, but them saying 24,000 fans, I guess they were all packed in there behind the sidelines. I get it. Dan Mullen says the crowd was a factor. But COVID be damned, he wants a packed swamp for the LSU game. Look, we need to win football games here. I'll be interested to see what the Gators decide to do as far as attendance. I know they're 
state has said they can open to full capacity, but still up to the school to decide what they want to do. If the head coach is saying make it happen, they may make it happen. All right, that is just about going to do it for this edition of the Locked On SEC Podcast. Again, remember to subscribe. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC football. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.